Hello everyone and welcome back to the Fraser Oliver podcast. This is episode 12, I think, and we've got Dan Trelfer. Hello, Dan. Hi, Fraser. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. So um, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, Dan, why don't you give us a, a brief explanation as to sort of who you are and what you do? Uh, well, my name's Dan. I do quite a few different things. My main work is uh, in television, um, not in front of the camera, behind, mm. um, normally in edit suites. But I also do some YouTubing and uh, I write books as well. Nice. Yeah. So you gave a nice overview of sort of everything we're going to end up talking about throughout this podcast. But first, what I like to do is, and to be honest, I, I will put my hands up here. I have forgotten this question. I think the last two podcasts I've done, but <laughs> as people who uh, watch my channel will know, I'm not the best uh, guy at remembering anything I say I'll do. Um, but I like to ask a question that sort of is an icebreaker for the podcast, and that is about breakfast, because I think breakfast is probably my favourite meal. So um, what did you have for breakfast today, Dan? And also, what would be the, what is in your eyes the best breakfast you could have? Um, I had for breakfast what I have every single day, which is uh, toast and marmite and, a, and an extremely strong cup of tea. Um, very British. Very British. Very yeah. British breakfast. Yeah, I I love. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm quite addicted to marmite on toast. It's Do you have a? Is it a lot of marmite? Do you have like a thick? No, I'm, spread, I'm very it? much a very much a thinly spread man. Okay, and yeah. this is this is something I've been talking about with some of my viewers on, on my Discord. Is Do you have butter with... Because people are saying you don't have butter. Like, if you have chocolate spread on toast, you don't have butter with it. Do you have yeah. butter with Marmite on toast, or is it just Marmite? Oh, no, definitely butter. Yeah. Okay, cool. I don't okay. think it would work. It, it, would, it, it wouldn't be moist enough, would it, without butter? No, I suppose... And, and the funny thing is, when, I, when you have butter on toast, it's got to be melted butter. If that butter's yeah. not melted, it tastes horrible. So, yeah, I guess... Although, yeah, I guess the butter you know, would soften the toast. Yeah, I've got to say, actually, Fraser, when I was little, my nan used to make us uh, toast with butter on. Okay. And she would literally slice it like cheese and it, and it wouldn't be melted. <laughs> oh, my God. We thought it was amazing. That must be, <laughs> and, that sounds horrible. Yeah, I don't think it's the most um, healthy thing in the <laughs> world, but we used to love it. Yeah. A slice she of butter all, on toast. <laughs> yeah, she was also very good um, with the chocolate spread, actually. Now you oh, wow. She, she, it, it was very, very thick. We'd go home and we'd beg my mum and dad to get us like chocolate spread and we'd try and do it ourselves. It was never the same. It took us years to realise it's because she really put it on. Yeah, I think there's something, yeah. there's something that, well, isn't it? Grandparents just sort of, you have a food and you go home, you're like, can I have it? They're like, no, you're not having it. Yeah. So it's like, exactly. we used to have Weetabix and, and my dad would just pile the sugar on top of the Weetabix. Ooh. And I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever tasted because Weetabix are quite bland. If you have Weetabix yeah. on your own, there's something wrong with you, I'm afraid. Like, that's a very odd thing to do. But she no, we used to, we used to put on. treacle on Weetabix Ooh. when I was a kid. Yeah, we, we usually go for golden syrup as well as another favourite on, yes. on Weetabix. Um, so that is that your ideal breakfast then? If you if you could have any breakfast in the world, would Marmite and Toast be the best breakfast? Yeah, I think it probably is, to be honest. Really? Yeah, I don't Not... think there's much else. If I go to a really hot country, mm. having like... Um, like a, like a papaya or something, or a mango. <laughs> wow, okay, yeah, <laughs> that is really nice. I, I do like a constant breakfast. Pastries, I love. Oh yeah, I could, I could eat pastries for days. Yeah, yeah. So that I love. I, it. I tell you what, I tell you, in France, it has to be uh, a croissant with some apricot jam. If I'm in France, oh, I was going to say a pan au chocolat is my favourite. Yeah, all that. That's a strong pastry. Only if it's milk chocolate. Ooh. I don't like dark chocolate. Dark chocolate in a pastry is not. not I, I find fan. it too rich. Not a fan of dark chocolate. Mm. So um, most people that are, are watching this now, most likely, I think, will know you from YouTube. 
I think that's that's fair to say. Most people Probably, watching this, yes, almost like know from there. So what? So I want to talk sort of before all of that, before mm. any work you did in TV. I want to talk sort of school to start with. So what? What were you like at school? Were you? What? What group of sort of? What group did you fall into? Are you? Uh, what sort of age are you talking? <laughs> um, I, I will go like. Well, I reckon like if, if to the age of five or six, you probably don't have much of a yeah memory or personality sort of at that time. I, I'm saying sort of secondary school or high school, whatever, whatever okay. you want to call it. So like year seven onwards. Uh, let's have a think. So I um I was at a grammar school in Kent, oh okay, and um so it was it was all boys. Oh, that must. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> no, know. it's not. There's no chance that um my son will be going to an all boys school. I don't think, <laughs> no, I don't no, think it's doesn't... massively healthy. I'll be honest. No, I don't think it's great for social skills at no. all. Actually, no, no. no that doesn't sound um, great. But I tell you what, I did do. I took drama, which oh, uh, okay. meant he had to go to the girls' school for that. Was that a tactical so, move? Was that a you knew much. you'd have to go to the girls' schools? He thought. I, I mean, I did want to do drama, but that was definitely an added bonus. Mm. Was that Fair you enough. Got to go, yeah, twice twice a week, like Tuesdays and Wednesdays or something. We got to go. Um, you know, you get to leave the school at lunchtime yeah. and walk to another school, which is a girls' school. How and far it was, was heavily. It's uh, half an hour. We oh, go okay. To Chippy on the way. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was very nice. And then, um, yeah, then we had, uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I think there were, there were three different schools there. So oh, wow. uh, doing drama, three, three sets of mm. uh, schools doing drama. Um, and we were heavily outnumbered boys to girls. So, um, yeah, it was, that was quite good. I did enjoy that. Um, in terms of my friendship group, I mean, initially, uh, I used to have friends from my secondary school, which I went to because it was 13 mm. plus in those days. Oh, okay. And we were kind of into... Um, uh, like we're big sort of Douglas Adams fans. We did a, I remember nice. we did a play. We did a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy play. Oh wow, point, which is really good. I got That's to cool. be the, I got to be the the guide. Oh, nice. Um, I enjoyed that. That was really good fun. But also, you know, I'm massively into football as well. So I mm. had other groups of friends who were more into into football. Um, yeah, I sort of, I didn't really, until right until the very end, I, I don't think I had a sort of a, a particular social group. Mm. I think I sort of, um, I, hopefully, I was friends with most people. I think like a lot of people, I look back sometimes at school, and generally, I think I was a pretty nice boy. I was very well mm. behaved. Um, but sometimes I do look back at things and think, oh, God, I'd never <laughs> act like that now. I'd never yeah. be a horrible thing to say or a horrible thing to do. Yeah, I, um, I I certainly fell into a group of like everyone knew who I was, but I wasn't necessarily like in everyone's friendship group. Hmm. So it's like a weird thing if I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't a bad kid at school. Like I was very the nerdy type. I sort of got on with my work, sort of kept kept my head down doing stuff. But I think towards the later end of school, I did start to. I think my personality just sort of started to show more. So it took quite late for my personality. I thought school is school, and then outside is is social life. But yeah, it's a. But I imagine that would be quite difficult in a grammar school to sort of, to have that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an odd place because you're, you're sort of told a lot of the time, you know, you're the cream, you're, you know, you're the mm. top people. You should be, you should be doing this. You should be behaving better, you know, because mm. I mean, behavior was, was, I wasn't horrendous, but you know, times was, was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and uh so yeah, I'm not sure how healthy that is to be constantly told that you're sort of the cream of the 
town and that kind of yeah thing. that's all that's obviously not really the truth you know especially at that sort of age you know we were only 13 and, and soon after that it was 11 plus so you're only 11 i mean yeah um you know it doesn't mean anything. Think... my brother didn't go to grammar school you know and he's a successful lovely person so. <laughs> yeah and i think that's an interesting point you brought up there about um it's not healthy to sort of say you're the best like you in this school you're the best of the best it's it's quite a and I think that's the same with like you get sets in school. You're like you're set one. That means you're the best at yeah. the subject. And down that, I don't think that's a good system at all because it, in my head, it's like the people in the lower sets aren't going to improve unless you sort of if you mix them in with people who are better at that subject, you could all help each other. So I think yeah, I agree. That it's not probably not yeah. the best idea. No, I think you're absolutely right. Actually, one of the things they do at um, my son's school is um, they're obviously only primary age, but. Mm. They, they really encourage that. They have a sort of a traffic light system, which is uh, red means that you don't understand something. Amber means right. that you're starting to get it. Green means you're confident with it. And blue means you can help others. And if you're blue at something, they encourage you as a child to help other children to understand. That's really so, good. And actually that really helps your own learning and gives you sort of a, a deeper learning. That's mm. why, you know, that's, that's the theory behind it. So yeah, absolutely. I, I totally yeah, nice. They seem to do that because I used to do that at primary school a lot. Where it would be like if you'd finished the work early, the teacher would then be like, "Yeah, go around, go around and see if anyone needs help." And they do that at primary school. And you get to secondary school, and it's like, "Well, no, because if you're not as good, you're going to be in a group with everyone who's not as good as that subject." Yeah. So it's like, well, that seems like a really backward way of doing things. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's so you mentioned drama, which um, I don't. Yeah. You, um, all my hopefully my viewers will know. Um, I do performing arts. Um, I did drama at school, performing arts at college, and I'm studying it at uni in September. So was, is drama something, was that sort of a career that you had in your head when you picked drama? you thinking, I want to go and be an actor, or was it more of a, like, what, what was? No, it wasn't really. I think I just did it because I thought it would be fun. I mean, yeah, it, it, was, it was literally all that. You got, it was the first time that I'd got to choose um, subjects mm. at that point. And... Um, you know, there was an option to do drama and I kind of in, I'd always enjoyed doing school plays and that kind of thing um and I just thought yeah I, I, I loved to do it you know I liked I liked sort of acting but I, I don't think it ever crossed my mind uh that I would go into acting at all mm -hmm. and you know I wasn't I wasn't particularly good at it for a start um <laughs> right and uh um I so no no I think I just did it because I thought it'd be fun and I was right it was it was really really good I you know I when I look back sort of the happiest memories there would definitely be in some of those drama classes and messing around doing different mm. plays and yeah it was it's good Billy liar and stuff like that yeah it was great it's the, that's the whole concept of isn't it acting where you're just having a just playing around with characters and sort of thing it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun so you said you chose drama what other subjects did you choose because was that when you did GCSEs, I assume. Or yeah, so when... I did. Um, I did. I decided not to do all the sciences, so I did a kind of a single science. Okay. It was called. So all the sciences were in one, mm. and business studies. Um, oh, okay. Was, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> then um, I did. I did French and German. Oh, okay. Um, so I think now it'd be nice. Uh, Spanish wasn't an option, but I think if I was doing it again now, I'd, I'd, I'd probably choose Spanish uh and then all the other subjects you can't you pretty much you had to do i think i wish i'd done art i didn't do art i wish mm. i'd done that 
Um, it's like your maths, your, your English, yeah, they had to... yeah, all of that stuff, which, you know, I really love doing English and, and history. And I did, I'm trying to remember, I did media studies. I'm trying to remember whether I only did that. I can't actually remember if I only did that A level or did it at GCSE as well. I think I only did it A level. Okay. Um, that was really good. That was probably my favorite subject. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that moved, you've moved on quite nicely there to sort of the next stages, so after school, so sort of college and, and A-level and things like that. So you mentioned media studies there. Was that the only A-level you did or did you do? So I did media studies, English and um, history. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so at that point, was there sort of a career in mind of I'm doing this, these subjects so I can get to this place or was it? No, <laughs> I, was, I, th I, I think that. I, th I think one thing, if if you're young and you're and you know what you want to do, I mm. think it's a massive advantage mm. because you can work towards that. You know, you know, really sort of focus everything through your school life towards that thing that you really want to do. Mm. But I think that's quite rare for for people to, yeah. to know that. And I definitely really didn't know. There were things that I liked doing. I really loved writing. You know, I really loved English. Mm. I really loved media studies and I love doing you know uh, learning about tv and film and that kind of thing but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with any of that um so I was really choosing subjects that I was a quite good at and b that I quite enjoyed yeah um, and I so that was my thinking yeah I think it's quite quite a weird concept that you have to choose sort of options for like your, your GCSEs and things you're going to take I think it's quite early on mm. that, that you decide those things because yeah there's a lot of influence you'll see like everyone watches films and be like oh that's cool i want to be an actor but then you might go and obviously a lot of kids will be like oh, i want to be a police officer or a fireman or um a doctor and things like that and it's like yeah i think it's very difficult to choose at that age unless you have something like set in stone that you know i want to do this and yeah. i think i think it's weird that because i was sort of not forced into it that's that's not the right word but i was very like i I knew I want. I knew I liked performing, but I didn't know I wanted to do it until I think one of my mates was like, "I'm going to go and audition for the the school play. Come along." I was like, "Right, okay," because I liked doing it, but I was always quite nervous. I was like, "All right, I'll do it." And yeah, that was really the so, and that was year eleven. So that was like tail end of uh, year ten, probably not year eleven, but it was the tail end of, of secondary school. So yeah, I think it's very strange that you have to choose that early on. And, yeah, you just—I think you just don't know, do you? There's, and you're, you're, you're still discovering yourself at that point. Yeah. I mean, I think I probably just wanted to be a footballer most mm. of the time at that yeah. sort of age. So, yeah. you know, no, no subjects were particularly good, and also I knew I wasn't going to be good enough anyway. So it was, yeah, it is very tricky, um, and you can never go back and, and change that. No, um, I think especially as I think you're going to discover yourself more when you're not at school and you have more time to like socialize and and do other things I think that's when you're going to figure out what you want to do and who you want to be mm. so saying you have to decide that halfway through secondary school is like that's well, a bit strange that the uh, you also haven't been out and discovered what you want to do and they're like well yeah. you've got to pick what you want to do so, yeah it's yeah. very it's very peculiar yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, responsibility to, to mm. put on on yourself at that time but I suppose you know I just think you know try and pick the things I think in the end I just tried to pick the things that I liked doing best yeah, that's. And, and I so, think that's a good way to look at it, isn't it? Yeah. Just the, the things you like, and hopefully something will will come of that. Which mm. for you, clearly, clearly it did. Which we will get into get into pretty soon. So, on from college, uni. Did you did you go to university? 
Yeah, so I went to um, University of East Anglia. Oh, okay. And I did at Norwich, and I did um, film and English studies. Oh, okay. So, so sticking with like, the media yeah. side of things? Yeah, because I, re- I really enjoyed doing media studies at A-level, and I, I had a friend who was in the, the uh, upper sixth form when I was in the lower sixth, mm. and he's, I think he's, uh, or at least half his family initially, uh, had originally come from Norwich, and I was talking right. to him about where to go at university. And he said, oh, you should go to UEA, brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, Norwich is really nice, go there. So, and, I mean, just talking about what you were saying about, you know, sort of making decisions when you're quite young. Yeah. I didn't really do a lot of research at that point. I sort of had a flip okay. through the UCAS catalogue. But it's like my friend Alex said, I said that Norwich is really nice and UEA is really good. Mm. So I just looked to see what courses they did. And I was like, oh, film and English study. That sounds really interesting. Like, I really <laughs> like film. And then the English studies was, was as, yeah. wasn't just literature, it was sort of culture. There, there was loads oh, right, of, okay. Yeah, there was loads of different uh, options and choices you could do within it. It was a really mm. free, um, free sort of uh, mm. subject to study. And um, so I thought, oh, that sounds really great. So I, I went to have a look at UEA and it was brilliant. Like I just, it was, it was such a weird thing. I got there, they were really good at UEA at making prospective uh, students feel welcome. So they okay. sent buses down to the train station. There was people waiting for you with signs saying, if you're coming oh, nice. look around the university, come with us, put you on the bus took you in the same person that met you at the station then gave you a tour of the university mm. you got to you know you really got to find out yeah. loads about it and it felt really as soon as I was there as soon as I got there I was like I just had a mm. feeling that's where I was going so I looked around I loved it I went and had a look at Glasgow University which wasn't organized in anything like the same way <laughs> um I, I had to ask like strange I because again, you know, you're so young that I just didn't do any planning. And I just turned yeah. up in Glasgow. I took the sleeper train. I just <laughs> turned up and went, right, where's the university? Yeah, no, just no just, planning at all. Yeah. Just started asking the locals. Yeah, exactly. They're going, oh, you need to get this bus. And I did get there, but I, I went to have a look at the media course, but it was rammed. I couldn't even get in the room. So I'd gone all the way to Scotland. Oh, no. Basically no reason. Um, so, I, so I ended up, you know, I just, I just... I knew I wanted to go to UEA, so I put that down. I went there. Yeah. So I'm not. So what does what does media studies entail? Because in my head, I have no idea as to what. So I know I had some friends that did media studies, um, sort of throughout education, but I don't know what it actually is. So is it editing? Is it filming? What? So at A level, it was it was kind of a mix. It was a real mix of things. So we did, you know, we studied. Um, some films and we looked at how they were filmed and kind mm. of learned about how they would have been scripted and I remember I, I remember you know we knew nothing when we started that and I remember they showed us the opening scene from the film Buster which has got Phil Collins okay. in, which I don't think I've ever actually seen all the way through um, and it's basically a scene in a graveyard I think there's, there's it's a funeral mm. and there's quite a lot of people there the scene lasts I don't know 30 40 seconds maybe a minute we watched that and then they said, right, that would have taken at least a day to film. And we were Wow. What? Yeah. And they went probably a few days. And we were like, it's like 30 seconds. Mm. And then, you know, so it was it was really learning about you know the basics of, of that kind of thing. We did get to do little bits of filming and a tiny bit of nice. editing. Um, but it's, you know, the equipment was very basic in yeah. those days, so it was a bit tricky. It was all on VHS and stuff like that. Mm. Um 
then we you know we studied tv shows and you know and talked about them and um you know themes and that kind of thing mm. what else did we do i can't remember what else we did at a level but but at university i did i did i was doing film specifically so that's oh, right, about okay. film theory film history mm. um but then within that we did as i say you got there was lots of options so i did one semester i did a course on hitchcock which was nice brilliant we did i did a course on westerns mm-hmm. um and I, I wasn't really into westerns then and i came out of that absolutely loving them and, mm. and have loved them ever since uh we did yeah we did all kinds of things yeah it was it was a, it was a real wide-ranging course so, yeah it was yeah. enjoyable and so for me, when studying um, like performing arts and studying plays at, at quite a deep level, it, it changes how you watch those things sort of forever. Is that something you found with films? You'll be watching something now or TV shows and you'll go, you sort of say, oh, I see how that was filmed or yeah. oh, I would have filmed that slightly differently. Because I do that a lot with when I go to see live shows, obviously I haven't been able to in um, about a year. But, but when yeah. I used to go and you'd be like, oh, I would have blocked that differently. Or, oh, I see what they did there. That was a use of this technique. Is that something you do with films and shows now? Yeah, I think so. I think you try, I mean, film, especially around that time of being at university when you're, when you're talking about film every day and mm. you're watching. And, and the year, my first year actually was the anniversary, was sort of the 100th anniversary of the invention of film. It's 1995. Oh, wow. So there was this big, um, so the BBC was, it was incredible. They were basically showing classic films mm. from the last hundred years like oh, wow. once or twice a week so you know it was it was really good there was like a real sort of there was so much mm. great film stuff going on um it's like so, christmas yeah it was yeah <laughs> it was amazing i watched so many sort of late night films on a tiny sort of uh, <laughs> rented tv oh, yeah. that i had in my room um but it was really good uh yeah and and as it went on you did you do start to you do start to sort of see a bit behind the camera um but then i think you then have to sort of learn to take yourself out of that you know and, yeah. and try trying just to enjoy the film as it is mm. um which i think these days that's sort of sort of what i what i, what I do so but yeah, yeah. It's definitely a time where it, it can ruin it a bit for you it, yeah yeah and I, I find it i find myself saying just just ig- ignore like of what you've learned just watch the play but then yeah. I'm, I, I can't. I always I'm like, mm, I wouldn't have done that. Or I see what they did there. I, I saw yeah, you. exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's things like you know, and I watch when I watch you know, especially if you watch films, um, and you can see you know, the kind of hundreds of millions of pounds spent, and they'll mm. do that shot, the sort of um, you know, over the two shoulder. people talking, yeah. and it's over the shoulder, and you can see that the person isn't moving their head and they're not talking, but you can hear the hear the audio <laughs> of them talking, and you know yeah. it's been a pickup and. You know, they've just had to make that edit work. And you just think, it's incredible. It's stuff like that you, that you're not allowed to get away with on TV. No. But for some reason, on films that have cost hundreds of millions of pounds, it's like, yeah, that's fine. That'll, that'll be all I right. No one, will one of the yeah. things that really gets to me when watching TV shows or films is when someone's having a drink, but there's nothing in the cup. Yeah. And they're not yeah. throwing it around. I'm like, look, yeah. if there was something in that cup, it's everywhere now. Yeah. Like if you're, if or you're... picking up while something's supposed to be a really heavy suitcase yeah. is clearly empty or something like that yeah yeah it's like if you're gonna have something in a cup just put some water in it like yeah i'm not asking you to put a cup of tea in it but come on put, put yeah. some <laughs> yeah. or just act like there's something in it that yeah. really they do it all the time on soaps and it really gets to me yeah um so leaving uni what was the first sort of main job because we could I, i'm guessing you might have had smaller jobs sort of throughout sort of teenage years but what 
What was your first proper job, if you will? So I, um, okay, well, it probably wasn't even a proper job. It was the first sort of gateway that sort of got mm. into media was um, I started work at BBC Radio Kent. And oh, I okay. um, got a job as kind of like the third person on the mid-morning show. Oh, nice. So I would go in and we had the presenter. It was a lovely sort of, uh, lovely you know, big local celebrity mm. in Kent called Barbara Sturgeon. She was really mm. nice. And she'd, she'd done that job for years. She was an incredible broadcaster. She was the presenter. Then there was a woman called Laura who was like her assistant who was did all the pr- production of the show and answering the phones. And then a third person to answer the phones as well. Right. And basically, the, the way the show worked was that they'd talk about different subjects and then people would ring in with their opinions. And we didn't put them on air. We got their opinions and then would report back to Barbara like well, right. so and so's Anne from Herne Bay rung in and yeah. she thinks this and that so that was my first sort of proper job although you know it wasn't it wasn't a proper job in terms of earning enough money to not yeah. live at home but it was sort of a link um, to exactly yeah to the industry um, yeah and that was that was really that was really good fun and I started to get other little shifts at Radio Ken and that was my that was my first sort of nice. media thing yeah yeah it was really good so where where did that lead you after sort of because you, you mentioned that was sort of like a job a job that got you into the industry where was the where was the, yeah I mean the way after that my one of my the major things that I did at university was I, I was a um I worked at the radio station in Livewire so I was the, oh, okay. and and I um and I got to be station manager there and I'd won a, a Radio One award for presenting as well while I was while I was doing that so that helped me get to Radio Kent and I kind of kind of at that point I thought I was going to go into radio in one mm. form or another um and then but I kind of I wanted I wasn't earning enough there to leave home so I, wa- I wanted to to leave home and you know stand on my own two feet mm. so I was looking at other jobs in London and I applied for a runner's job for a uh, TV studios in uh, Wandsworth it's called Capital Studios and uh, not the not the radio station yeah and um, I, yeah, that was, I think they had over 2,000 applicants for that. And I uh, got an interview and managed to get that oh, job. Wow. So I went to, um, went back to Radio Kent because I did like working there. And I sort of said, you know, have I got any future here? Because, mm. you know, I do enjoy it, you know, but I'm, I'm trying to look for something that's full time. And the, I remember the station manager and I've been on air every day for about, Oh, it's probably four or five months at least and I, and, and I said you know have I got any future in this and he said oh to be honest I haven't heard you on the radio <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I was thinking, that's oh, no. weird so I just left and went yeah took the runner's job and mm. um and that started me off in tv oh, that's fair enough yeah so so you sort of went radio into tv and you sort of went into the behind the camera of, of tv what? well I, I started sorry Karen sorry no no go on so I started as a runner. So, you know, TV is sort of very, that is how TV works. You know, no mm. one kind of walks in and gets a good job as a researcher or yeah. something. Everyone still starts right at the bottom, which is just quite a good thing about it, I think. Mm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was working at the studios and yeah, for eight months, pretty much all I did was make the tea and coffee, fill the fridges, mm. um, clean dressing, clean dressing rooms, um, you know replace the big water bottles yeah you know it, it, all the all the menial tasks that needed doing around the studio that's what i did mm. um 
And then, but while I was there, you know, they were saying, you know, make sure you make contacts. You shouldn't be doing this job for long. Yeah. You know, so I got to know, know people on, um, from production companies that were filming there. And eventually one of those sort of contacts led to getting a, a runner's job on Frank Skinner's chat show. Oh, wow. And that was sort of my first production job. So, and that was again, being a runner, but it had a mm. little bit of creativity here and there as well. So it was quite good fun. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds very similar to, um, sort of Robbie Knox's way into to the media is that is that sort of the baseline for, for getting into tv is it runner is like the entry level yeah is that a lot of people anyone sort of in producing in in tv in any way were they probably a runner at some point is that yeah pretty much pretty much everybody will will start there um I mean it's exactly the same as as Robbie's in fact because um uh, that tv studio is where I worked um is I got Robbie was kind of my replacement. Oh, right. oh um, okay. I, I recommended him for that job. Oh, wow. So, and then I recommended him again for his soccer AM job, and he got that one. So, so, his, so what his, you're saying is you, is, yeah, you exactly. caused Robbie Knox. <laughs> yeah, you made Robbie Knox famous. That's what you're saying. I, I'm, I'm pretty much responsible for his career. There, yeah. there's, yeah. there's the title. Yeah. Dan Trover is responsible for Robbie Knox's career. Yeah, he'll freely, he'll freely admit that. Yeah, <laughs> that, uh, it wouldn't have happened without me. So. Yeah, so, so yeah, I just want to sort of keep, this is, I, I'm loving the sort of talk here because I'm quite big into media. So this mm. is, this is really interesting for me. So from being a runner, what, what happened for you to sort of go another step up in, in, um, the, in the industry? What happened? So, well, I, I actually took quite a weird, um, quite a weird route in those early days. So I, so I went and I was a runner on the Frank Skinner show for, okay. uh, that was like three months. And then I had a, a brief break. I went. I actually went back to um, Capital Studios for a few weeks that summer just to fill in there and, and to keep earning. And then I went back to the same production company and I was a runner on Harry Hill's sketch show, which was on oh, wow. at the time. That's quite, it's quite big. Yeah, so that, yeah. that was really good fun. And I did, and I got to do loads of stuff on screen for that because um, he just constantly had uh needed people to be dressed up in costumes mm. so and as a runner I was, I was normally the person that would do it so um so i did quite a few dress up things on that that was really good fun uh and then and then basically at, at that christmas we finished at christmas we had this christmas party and i was a bit it was it when you're a runner especially then you, you don't earn very much money i was i was mm. just getting by just getting okay by. and um and I was thinking, I can't do this because, you know, you do a job for three months and it would run out. And then you're like, right, well, what's going to happen now? When, mm. when am I going to get my next job? I can't afford to not work. I can't afford yeah. to have time off. You've got to so, do something sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I was talking to the one of the owners of the production company at the Christmas party. And they said, um, uh, well, come on, work with us in management. And it's uh, so the company is called Avalon and they manage manage comedians as well as um, making TV shows. So it's all right, okay. work for us in, in comedy. Man, do you want to do that? So I said, yes. So I did that and I worked there for um, eight months and then I got offered a job at a um, I'll try to do this quickly. Sorry. And I got <laughs> the job at a um, at one of the first Internet companies. OK. And it was called switch2.net and they basically had four channels and it was and this was if they'd have if they could have just kept going it was really early days of mm. internet companies they might have been 
YouTube because it's pre-YouTube. Really? Yeah, and their idea was putting one of the first companies to put kind of pictures on on the internet. Okay. You know, everything everything yeah. was just um, uh, text and picture, mm. you know, and pictures. Whereas this was like videos, putting videos on. So they had wow. a, they had a music channel uh, called Done and Dusted, which still exists today. Span off, it still exists today as a kind of I think a, mm. a music production company and live company. I think had a uh, comedy channel. So they were they were going to start broadcasting comedy and stuff on there. Uh, it had uh, oh God, I can never remember what the third one is. And then I worked on the fourth one, which was right. sport and martial arts and extreme mm. filming ex footballers. And we filmed martial arts stuff. We put like Shaolin monks stuff online mm. and that kind of thing. It was you know it was really early days. It was really experimental. And it was it was the best job I ever had. It was I absolutely yeah. It sounds it sounds very ahead of its time. Yeah, it really that, was. And you reckon and they, if, if it had kept going, it would have been it could have been sort of the YouTube. Of... I think so. Be, yeah, because it, it sort of although the idea was that we were putting content online, mm. I think that the way that the internet went was was going into that into user content. At some point, they would have realised that. I, yeah. I, I, do, I can't believe that they wouldn't have done they would have realized that and said we can get users to put stuff on and increase our content and i think it might have been come might not have been the same thing but i think but it, similar it might have become yeah yeah the, the sort of the same people would have probably found their way there sort of thing exactly yeah um and i remember it was like uh you know i, I don't know how old you were but you know in the late 90s there was a thing called dot bombs basically which okay these kind of new dot com companies would come mm. in and everyone would be talking about them and they'd, they'd get loads of sort of funding right. people, you know, and we had like, I think we had 70 old people working there. Wow. And, um, and, uh, and it was really good and sort of creative and fun. And then, then you'd get, get these companies that suddenly they'd go bang and that was it. The money would run out. Yeah. And I remember being there and they were trying to get this funding from RTL, a German TV company. And it looked like we were, they were going to get 10 million pounds, I think. And that was basically going to keep them going. And it would really mean that that mm. they were well on the way. And just at the last minute, they pulled out. And basically, we went in one day and they went, yeah, sorry, everyone. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And that was it. Paid up oh, no. to the end of the week. And that was it. And we, you know, it was heartbreaking. <laughs> it really was. I got, very, I got very drunk that day. Oh, dear. Um, so anyway, I ended up working on a couple of other internet things. I worked at the Day Telegraph sports website for a couple of years or so. Mm. And then um, I was still kind of, I was still friends with Frank Skinner from working on on his show, and they brought um, I don't know if you remember Fancy Football. I don't. Probably don't. Um, I'm not big into was, sports, so I might. Oh, okay. It might have been so, around. I just probably yeah, wouldn't have known. It was like a comedy football show from okay. um, in the nineties, and they brought it back for the two thousand and four European Championships. All right. And. Uh, uh, yeah, Frank asked me if I wanted to go back on it, and I was the first person to go and work on that. I hadn't been on TV for six years, and that would be my favourite show in the mm. 90s. So I loved it. So I got to go and work on that, and as a researcher, and during that time got promoted to assistant producer on that. Um, and that's, yeah, and that was sort of a route back into TV, and I stayed, stayed there ever since. Nice. So um, when I was sort of doing my research for uh, notes for the podcast and sort of, um, 
yeah, sort of looking into what you've done. Sort of, I went through and binge quite a few of your videos to see sort of anything I, I could ask. And I remember a lot of Robbie's streams and uh, when we were in the same Discord call on on John's stream. Yeah. Um, the, I've just got one word here, and it's BAFTA, because I feel like yeah. <laughs> that was a massive thing that everyone sort of kept going on about, and I know Robbie goes on about it. Yeah. And I, I'm just curious, it's sort of, yeah, just I just want to sort of talk about that for a bit. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, you know, worked on a lot of shows over sort of 20 odd years. And I think for a long time, none of, well, I, I worked on Al Murray's chat show that won a, that won a couple of comedy mm. awards. I worked on I worked on TV Burp, Harry oh, wow. TV Burp, but before it it was in the it, I think I did series maybe series three. Oh, okay, so quite like that. Or quite series early. four. So it was early on, and it was yeah. before it started winning Baftas every year. Mm. Um, so you know, I felt like I kept missing missing awards and things. Um, I work on Taskmaster now, and obviously that's won some yeah. awards, but I, but my role on that's pretty small. Um, but then, yeah, then, then, uh, yeah, just over a year ago, I, I was did a kids show called um, uh, "Play Your Pets Right." Oh, okay. For Sky Kids, and it's basically kind of a com short comedy show. It's only about twelve minutes long, and uh, it's just um, pets doing. They're not even doing incredible things. It's, pit it's pitting pets against each other. So you have things okay. like, which one of these guinea pigs can eat a length of cucumber the quickest? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, you know, and then we do, we do have sort of clever, clever pets as well, like a dog that can balance a mm. pepper on its head or 15 biscuits on its head and <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, just, it's just really silly, really, really silly stuff. Yeah. A dog that can walk on two legs. Uh, sorry, a, a horse that can walk on two yeah. legs. Um, yeah. That, that, that is thing. quite impressive. Yeah, it was good. That would be strange Actually, it couldn't do it for very long. It was that, no. <laughs> it, was, it was supposed to be. Like, it was supposed to walk 10 metres on two legs. We're going, it's going to be amazing if it can do that. But it can actually only do about three paces. I mean, but I, I'm scared of horses as it is. Letting a horse walk on two legs, that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah, it looks terrifying, definitely. It's a uh, horror film. Yeah, it's like the four horses of the apocalypse sort of thing, yeah. Um so we did that and it was just, it was a really, it was just a really silly show. And we got re really, it's one of the rare shows where we got really free reign to do what we wanted. And the voiceover could be as funny and silly and ridiculous as we wanted it to be. Um, and then we were quite surprised. We, we sort of, we, I think we finished the first series. We were working on the second one. And uh, my boss, the exec came down. His name was Simon. And he said, he said, um, BAFTA have asked for, uh, a full episode of the show. He said, we put it up for it, but, you know, we always do that. Nothing yeah. happens. Um, and he says, uh, and they've asked for a full show. I said, I think we might be getting nominated for a children's BAFTA. And we're like, oh no way, surely not. And But then we did. So we got nominated oh, for wow. best, best kids entertainment show. And um, we won. Yeah, it was, and it was, uh, yeah, it, was, it was like literally two months before the pandemic. So, luckily we we got to actually go and drink a lot of drinks and enjoy it and stuff so that's, yeah it was, it was very recently then yeah 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 that's cool mm. so um the last thing sort of on your jobs unless there's anything else you want to add um that i've forgotten is your books and the, and your author so how yeah so how did that come about as you starting to write books and i'll, I'll let you plug your books if, if you if you want we can get Thank you. We can plug it. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I, I did. It started. 
I, that is one thing having said you know said to you quite a lot I didn't really know what I wanted to do that was one thing that I, I did really enjoy was writing mm. I did a creative writing course as part of my a short one as part of uh, university as part of my course because okay. that was another choice you could do and uh, I really enjoyed that um, I didn't actually get a very good mark on it but everyone in the class really enjoyed my main piece but uh, right my teacher did <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, it's, it's because I wasn't really following what I was supposed we were supposed to write something character driven and I've just right. written a sort of a comedy thing mm. um, but that sort of inspired me and I, I carried on doing that and I while I was a runner I used to I used to then go home and write um, uh, this book which was ended up being my first book called Vodka with Chocolate Chasers which was a book about um, uh, a group of people on the Trans-Siberian Railway Oh wow! Which I, which I did when I was nineteen, and I just had this idea, a bit like Canterbury Tales, really, where they're all on the train for six days, and mm. different people tell different stories about backpacking and traveling and that kind of. Thing. Oh wow, that's so, pretty cool. Yeah, so I did that, and that ended up being published. Um, and uh, yeah, that was quite good. It did. It got a couple of, you know, got a couple of nice reviews in national newspapers and stuff, um, and. But I just, I don't know, I, I don't really know. I, it just didn't, it didn't really uh, do particularly well. Mm. Um, it, did, it did well in terms of people liked it. And I got, I got messages from people who I didn't know randomly oh, okay. on, on email saying that they really loved it. And, you know, so that, that was really good. Um, but the next two that I wrote didn't get, didn't get published. So I, in the end, I just put, right. them, up on, put them up on uh, Amazon myself as... Mm books and then uh two or three years ago my friend john had this idea he'd started reading i worked with him on fantasy football oh okay and he started reading football autobiographies and finding just weird funny stuff in it which people didn't really seem to know about and we came up with this idea of putting them into a into a book sort of gather reading hundreds of them and putting all the best ones into mm. into a book and we did that we pitched it to a sports publisher and they loved it and so that got published about three years ago and we did a follow-up uh, which came up came out last year last september so we did two books on that um she sort of yeah just comedy football stories really and that was that was really cool. enjoyable and they've done pretty well so yeah uh those those are called books the gospel according to our football heroes and second yellow the further adventures of our football heroes cool so uh, yeah i'll put them in the description and they, are they on amazon can i just link the yeah yeah they're on amazon they're available as books or uh kindle cool yeah, I'll, I'll link them in the description then so people can go and Thank check you. them out that yeah. that first book you mentioned is that available still yeah it's still on amazon yeah because i did um i i think the rights went back to me after 10 years so i sort of republished it and you can you can get it on there i'm out to get that because that sounds yeah, pretty good I, I might have to yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I've I, I really read bits uh, a couple oh, of years no. ago, and I thought, oh god, I don't know. There's things in it that I wouldn't write now. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you know, there might um, be a video in it for me. Yeah, yeah. You never know. There might be a, yeah. good, a bit of a review video there. Yeah, I did. Um, uh, there's a bit in it which which is which is true. Like mm. there was, you know, we talked when we were on the Trans Siberian. We had there were three sort of Russians that that served all the food and drink when you went mm. to the dining car. And, um, you know, this is awful. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever do this now. This is what I was oh. talking about earlier when you say things that, that, you wouldn't, that you wouldn't do now. And we called one of them, who, you know, she wasn't massively overweight. But was, oh we, called her, we called her Olga Notsothinsky, oh. which, 
Like, you know, now I just wouldn't do it. But at the time I was 19 and we were just like, we thought it was funny. And we didn't call it to her to her face or anything, but that's how we refer to her. And that's how the characters refer to her in the book. And right. even at the time I was reading the book, I thought, oh, it's just silly. It's all right. But now I think no, it's, not, it's, not, it's just not needed, is it? No, it's not needed. It's nasty. <laughs> So, you know, I've actually, there's a couple of bits like that in it. And I'm just thinking, oh, God, I might, maybe I should just take it off. I mean, in that case, I definitely want to give it a read. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can pick out all the horrific, politically incorrect stuff that's in there. But uh, I, at least I recognise it. It was a mistake. I yeah. Think, you know. no, I'm actually excited to read that now. I'm going to have a look after this podcast. Um, so moving on now, sort of what I think, unless there's anything else with jobs you want to talk about. No, 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 yeah, happy to move on, yeah. Okay, yeah, so, so the thing that I think most people watching this will know you from is YouTube. Mm-hmm. So what was your sort of thought process and, and inspiration behind starting a YouTube channel? Uh, it, was, it was totally Robbie Knox, actually. Was it? He'd started his channel, I think he'd been going less than a year, I think. Um, and we, uh, we did, um, I'd been doing some videos, not for YouTube, for... Uh, a thing that Robbie runs every year or did before the pandemic, which is like this um, event where 16 of us go around to his house and play uh, FIFA on I've heard uh, of this, PlayStation yeah. all day. And I started making a kind of pr- promo video leading up to it, which is sort of childish mm. sort of um, slagging off of everyone else who was playing it and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But those, those kind of got bigger and bigger productions each year. And, you know, I was Brazil one year and I got... Uh, Formula One Grand Prix driver Felipe Massa to wish me luck on <laughs> wow. stuff like that, and uh, they all sort of got bigger and bigger, and um, and that, they were really good fun. And I, I spent quite a lot of time doing them. And Robbie had started this YouTube channel, and he kept saying to me, "Oh, come on, you know, everyone mm. loves those videos. You've got to start your own channel. We can do a load of filming together. You know, it's got, it's really good fun." And I kept saying I didn't know what I was going to film, and I didn't know if I had time and that kind of thing. And then eventually I had a break of about a month between some jobs on TV. And I was like, right, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I, just, so I just started. Yeah, he just sort of encouraged me to do it. And I just started then. That's fair enough. So so do you see it as like, so now, are you, how long have you been doing YouTube now? Uh, it's about uh, nearly 18 months. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's, that. I, I don't know why I thought it was longer than that, mm. that you've been doing it for. So... What do you see it as now? Do you see it as like a creative outlet? Like the videos do, you do now? What? Because I'm assuming the videos you do now are quite different to the ones you did when you started, or are they quite similar? What? Um, I think they're probably not too different. Yeah, they're different in some ways. Um, but yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I think probably most YouTubers will, would like to get to a place where they can earn some money yeah. from it. Um, and that would be lovely, but that is, I think, there's quite a high threshold. I think that. Yeah. Um, I think you know it's as high as just sort of taking up the guitar and saying, "Well, I hope I become a rock star one day." Yeah. You know, I don't think it's. I think it's that sort of realm. You know, I think just because anyone can pick up a camera and start recording mm. and put stuff on YouTube, um, it doesn't mean that you're going to become uh, earn money from it. Yeah, I think that's a really yeah, good way of looking at it. It's like, it's as simple as this, because people do say anyone can make YouTube videos. If you've got, even if you don't need a camera, you've got a phone. Exactly. And, uh, and like, you don't even need a laptop. You don't need editing software. Yeah. You could just film and put it up as it is. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to be the next KSI. Like, I, I've got a guitar there. 
Yeah. If I I can't pick that up and go, hey, look, I can I can play that, and I'm going to create the new Beatles. Like it's not it's not going to happen, is it? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's, no, I it's think a that's right. Thing. So so I mean, yeah. So I'm not going to lie. I, you know, I, I got into it hoping that one day I might make some money from it. Yeah. But I I don't think you can go into it with that thought because you're going to get discouraged mm. really really quickly. Um, and for me, it's uh, you know I did a Q and A on the website. Uh, on the on their vlog the other the other week and someone said you know do you wish you got more views mm. are you going to carry on with the amount of views that you get indefinitely and my answer to that was sort of well yeah I, yeah i wish i wish i could get more views you know i wish i was okay. getting thousands yeah. of views every week i'd love to get the amount of views that robbie gets but um i'm going to keep doing it all the time i find it fun and that was sort yeah. of my thinking from the start like it's as you say it's a creative outlet and it's fun to do and it's fun to think up something every week and fun to film it and edit it. And the moment that becomes a bit of a drag and then there's no other reason to do it because I'm not earning money, then mm. you know, that'll be the point where I probably stop. Yeah. And I think a lot of, if you ask a lot of bigger YouTubers um, sort of why do you do it? A lot of them will say, Oh, I didn't start for the money. Um, I did it because I enjoy it. And I think to some extent, I think some of them are not, entirely being truthful like oh. if if they started like you have a lot of people that started when youtube started in that case yeah you you can't have started that for the money because that wasn't a thing you, yeah you, no one was but people that have started sort of within the last five years i i would highly doubt that anyone went into it thinking i don't mind like money was always it, i i think it has to be on everyone's minds that started like it i don't know if that's just me but i think you you can't go into it without any thought of it because you look no. at people like KSI that have made so much from it. And I think that's always going to be at the back of your mind. But if you don't yeah. have the the initial passion for either recording or editing or, or whatever you're doing on your channel, then yeah, I, I don't think it'll go past like three, three months. I think if you, if you, yeah, if you don't enjoy anything that you're doing and you're doing it purely because you want the money, your channel won't last last that no. long at all and I th yeah i think that's very important to to have a no, exactly and, it, and, and i mean i think i don't really know what the secret is to to making money on it is because i think when you look at all the different kinds of very successful people on mm. there they're, they're they're successful for different reasons um you know jack mate's very successful because he's really funny and his yeah. videos are incredibly slick and you know brilliantly put together mm. ksi's famous for different reasons you know everyone sort of got their own thing or whether it's a music thing or whether you know then you've got incredibly successful um youtubers that are that are doing well because they've just found a, a brilliant niche like my brother yeah. does he does a um he's been doing it for a long time um a good few years he does a, a, a channel called uh, dark corners reviews where they mainly look at uh, classic old hollywood films particularly okay. b, b movies and that kind of thing that's that's there and it's their absolute mm. niche and they they sort of review the movies and they do kind of history bits and pieces mm. and and all that kind of thing it's really interesting and he but that's taken them years and years to get to a stage where they've built up this following of, of tens of thousands of people and they've got patreon subscribers and that kind of thing um because they've because they've got they do what they do they do it really well and they get and it's a niche that, yeah. that people are really interested in. It might not be a million people. They're not ever going to get a million subscribers, but they can get, 
know, they can get 30,000 views on yeah. something. And you've got and to find... Yeah, exactly. You've got to find a niche. And I think there's so many people, like you said, that have done that amazingly well, like Jack with his sort of style of comedy and very sort of risky comedy that he used to do. And even now in in his podcast, he is always some some sort of risky stuff in that. Robbie with like sort of the more mediocre side of things where you can make like an action sequence out of going into the loft and things like that. And I think it it is just about finding a niche and and doing what you enjoy. Like... I don't, I, Robbie definitely didn't go, you know what's going to make money? I'm going to go in my loft. That's, that's yeah. going to make, yeah. he, he, it, literally, like he said, it's like, I've got to do it. I may as well film it. And I think that, yeah. that motto there of I've got, I'll do it anyway. I may as well film it. I think is a very, a very good thing to go by. Well, also he's, you know, I think one of the, you know, I, th- I think a lot about why he's so popular. I mean, you know, one of the reasons is that he's very genuine you know the person that you see on you know i've known robbie for 25 years Mm. so the person you see on his youtube videos is the is the same person that i know and that person is a very positive person you know you Mm. really i rarely see robbie down or uh angry or or anything like that so like he will you know take a job like you say like i've got to go up in the loft and get something to most people it's a bit of a chore Whereas to Robbie, like something exciting about it, and like, yeah. you, can, you, can, you can make it into something interesting. Yeah. And I think people watching can see that. Can see if you're not being, you know, I mean, it's, it's a cliche, isn't it? But if you're not being real, yeah, people can see that. So people yeah, know that that is that is what Robbie's like. You know, if they meet him, if they see him somewhere, mm. he's going to be exactly the same as the person that they've seen on YouTube. Yeah, and I was going to say that when I had him on um, on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. And we spoke before recording and we spoke for about 20 minutes after the recording, mm. just having a chat. And it was, yeah. And he was exactly the same. Cause in my head, I was like, whenever I get someone on, um, that like, isn't one of my mates that I know, I always think, how are they going to be before? And are they going to like, as soon as I record and start talking to them on recording, they're going to like switch on like yeah. the users. Like, is Robbie going to be different? And then I'm going to press record and say I'm recording and he'll switch on the sort of Robbie Knox persona. But yeah, 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 it was completely, there was no change at all. He was just himself the whole way through. And I think that with a lot of people, that is what shines through is the Definitely. fact they don't care if people say, oh, you're boring. or Oh, you're not funny. So, well, I'm just being me. So if you don't like it, that's fine. Sort of thing. I think that. Yeah, that's one of the things that he said. You know, I sort of, you know, it's, it's I think when you start doing something like a YouTube channel, it's quite easy to think, oh, my God, what are my friends going to think? Mm. I'm sure I've got people who know me or are friends of mine that think, why is he doing a YouTube channel? Why is mm. he, why is he doing that every week? Like, it's really weird, isn't it? But, you know, Robbie's attitude, and I think it's the right one. And it's, I think it's one you kind of have to adopt is it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> it's like, don't waste any time worrying about that. If you're having a good time and you're mm. enjoying it, then it's fine. If some people, think it's rubbish then some people think yeah. it's rubbish it's, you know there's, there's nothing you're, you're not you're not gonna be able to change their mind so no if, they, if they're gonna go oh why are you doing that that's like embarrassing or like well, why yeah. it's like, why don't don't watch it then yeah. <laughs> i'm not forcing you to to watch it but yeah. something that's been really nice for me at least is when i started youtube uh just uh, just under a year ago now over a year don't know how maths works basically <laughs> <laughs> near enough a year ago um a few of my mates then started channels or one of my mates who I've had on here a lot um, restarted his channel that he stopped. And that's been really nice to see is like, mm. we've all sort of then started doing it again together so we can do videos together. And it's, 
it's really nice to see it sort of we're starting to build together and sort of starting to grow yeah. so i think that's another important thing is is making connections within the industry which obviously yeah, is something that i i didn't do early on but as soon i read a book i can't remember what i read but I, and they were like make connections networking is one of the most important things you can do so cool. like when i was in john's stream i thought if i can get into this discord call then i'll be fine yeah. that's what i need <laughs> so i, I was like because when he said he's gonna go like discord call, i thought i can get in there because i'd spoken to john previously on his on his youtube on his other streams so i was like i can get in Ooh. here so as soon as i was in, i was like right that, yeah and then that's that's what led to getting robbie on and i think in a way you like because i obviously spoke to you a lot in that Ooh. and yeah i think that that is a very important thing is networking is making sure Definitely. you just constantly making connections with people and, and growing that way so yeah that that's something yeah, think, that, that's very important i think that's the same you know it's the same in anything i mean it's, it's, it's definitely the same in mm. in tv um you know it's it's you know it sounds bad but like it you know it's it's about who you know mm. um but once you're in what that really means is that people who trust you will continue to hire you on different yeah. on different jobs and i think it's the, it's the same in, in in any business you know your connections and your networking are what makes a business work and i think mm. and as you say so i think it's the same with youtube like through robbie i've got to know uh the boy john as well mm. and you know we sort of you know we talk you know we'll be having back and forth on our videos mm. and that kind of thing you know and once once we're allowed to we're we're, we're going to i'm sure we'll get together and actually film something together yeah so um yeah so i think that and and actually you know that's what i was going to say was that the community which you can build up mm. is one of the loveliest things about it like um i've got a massive uh, following but i know that i've got a you know a good number of people that watch every mm. week and those people i do i don't know them those are yeah. people that have come to the channel and they watch every week and they comment you know a lot of weeks as well and uh, when I did the, when I got my haircut for Comic Relief, <laughs> yes. you know, loads of them sponsored that. And, and you just think, God, it was, what a lovely, what a lovely thing. You know, yeah. that I, you know, I just do this every week and these people keep coming back to look at it. And I, and I not only watch it, but are nice about it. Yeah. Um, it's really lovely. It is. It, it's, yeah. And it's, it is that thing of building the community and getting to know that community. Like I started streaming on, on Twitch recently. And there's three or four people there who I have spoken to uh, like through a Discord call. And we sort of do it every week now. And it's that wouldn't have happened. And I think this lockdown has obviously it's not been great at all in any sense of the word. But something it has really helped with is sort of me growing this. Because oh. I'm right, if, if there wasn't a lockdown, there's no way I would have been able to do a podcast with John, you or Robbie, because you all live, you all live like up north. So like, there's no this, it wouldn't have happened. So I think that that has been something that lockdowns really helped with is is the the building of of my channel. I think a lot of people have found that because it's easier to make connections virtually yeah. than it is in real life. Yeah, definitely. And people are kind of you know things like you know John's stream and that kind of thing mm. is like you know it's it's like an event, isn't it? And we can't yeah. go to any events, so you you can sort of go and watch John messing about for yeah. thirty two hours, interacting with other people mm. on there. You know, and, and then, you know, obviously we did the, we, we did that, uh, had, had that fun that evening on it as mm -hmm. well. So, <laughs> yeah, too. exactly. You kind of, you do all those things mm -hmm. and it, it does help bring people together and it, it gives you a buzz that, that, you, that you're not getting otherwise, you know, through yeah. because you're not socialising. 
Yeah, and I think that's I've talked about on my channel. I want to talk about a bit more is is um sort of the mental health side of things. I think that has really helped me during YouTube is having yeah. being stuck inside and not being able to see anyone bar the people you live with. Going on YouTube and streaming and sort of interacting with other people is is a massive help. And and I'm planning to do a a 24 hour live stream similar to John's for for mental health, which is going to be a an interesting nice. one. So I was like, I don't want to hit 100 <laughs> followers on Twitch. And that happened recently. So that'll be happening. Oh, okay. I think two, wow. I think I'm going to do it in like two weeks, Saturday into the Sunday. Okay. So yeah. And it, it's something that, again, I'd, I wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't for lockdown. So it's a yeah. weird sort of, obviously it's not great, but it has helped a lot of people. Mm. So it's, it's a strange one. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, I think it's the same with me doing this. I'm, you know, doing the YouTube videos. I mean, it's hard to mm -hmm. think of things in lockdown because you can't you know you can't go anywhere no. you can't go anywhere you can't do anything you can't you can't really film with anybody else so um uh but at least it sort of you know it, it's quite a nice challenge every week mm. to come up with something else or what am i gonna i've got seven days i've got to think of something <laughs> yeah. else so you know to keep coming up with that kind of thing is is, is good fun in itself and probably you know healthy as well yeah well, for your brain and, working on something and always coming up like new ways to film things as well like different camera angles oh. to film things or different ways to film a certain thing and i always see that a lot in john's videos like where he'll yeah. film doing a cup of coffee and it'll be a cinematic and it's like coming up with that it's, yeah. it's not easy people it's people think, oh, you're just... watching, watching his videos because he's just like oh it's, god that's like, so good yeah <laughs> and it's like how have we not thought and he does it and it's like you know what yeah. there's and yeah the amount of that's something that I, I do respect massively is the people that manage to take something as mundane as just making a cup of coffee and make it into this massive like action sequence. It's like, how yeah, have you, yeah. how have you managed that? Yeah. And and I can't even come up with a video idea. It's. it's, yeah, it's it, yeah. It's really good. It's, but he'll yeah. say the same. He'll say the same. He'll struggle with, you know, he'll struggle to come up with ideas and that kind of thing. So, mm. you know. So um, outside of YouTube, what sort of hobbies, do you have any hobbies that you enjoy doing? When you're not so, working on YouTube? What do I do? So I'm, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I'm a massive football fan, so I go and see my okay. team, QPR, obviously, outside of the pandemic. I mm. do that. Um, I love, still love cinema. Nice. I love going to see films. Um, but, you know, I love uh, travel. We go to Romania quite a lot. My wife's Romanian, oh, okay. so we, we go back there um, twice a year, sometimes more. Um, but these days, a lot of the time, it's it's um, it's sort of parenting with my son Leo. Yeah. So a lot of the a lot of time is taken up with that. So we, you know, we play. He he's really into uh, gaming now. So oh, nice. we play a lot of uh, Little Big Planet and Super Mario and um, mm. uh, yeah, yeah, lots of games on the yeah. Switch and that kind of thing. So yeah. you you mentioned cinema there. There's a lot of yeah. talk of um, so films have been released a lot on like things like Disney Plus through the pandemic. Yeah. Like things that would have gone to cinema have gone to Disney Plus, and there's talk of that happening even after the pandemic. Is that so? I know a lot of people have said that's better because I can do it at home. Ooh. There's a lot of people who said no, going to the cinema is part of the part of the whole atmosphere. What 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 are you thinking on that? Do you think the whole cinema feeling is part of seeing a new film, or would um, I'm 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 sort of somewhere in the middle on that. I think mm. there's some films that I really want to see on the big screen, mm. and then there's other films that I, I I sort of think, you know, we've all got hopefully, you know, if you're lucky like me, 
you, you have a nice telly now. Yeah. So you know you, you can see you can see things and they look great at home as well. Um, uh, it, well, the important thing is that we have to keep cinemas alive, definitely, because yeah. I think there is nothing like going to see it. No. So I think it is a it's a dangerous precedent that they're going to start to be released on streaming at the same time because yeah if 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 people do have the attitude of i'll just watch it at home you know cinemas will start to disappear which yeah it'll be a shame shame. because it it, for me it depends on the film if it's like a disney and animation film i'm not i'll watch it at home but if it's like i'm quite big into marvel so if it was like endgame if that was released in streaming service i'd be like what what i want to go and watch it like I watched that at midnight as it came out. Like I, I, I want to go yeah, watch yeah. it in the whole vibe, everyone there yeah. at the same time. So I think it's very much film dependent because I don't think we can lose that whole sort of community feeling when you go and see a film that everyone's equally excited for and has been for ages. I think they, I don't think anything like that. So yeah, yeah, and and it's totally different. Like I, I mean, it's not a new film, but I, I saw, um, I went to the cinema once years and years ago to see uh, a classic film, uh, The Lady Killers, and I've seen that with Alex. I've heard of it, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's like, it's an Ealing comedy. Okay. And it's really funny, and uh, it's it's about this group of men who are are kind Mm. of criminals, and they're trying to uh, bump off this old lady. They've got this big, big sort of caper plan. Mm. Um, But she basically bumps off all of them one by one. (laughs) Right, okay. It's really funny. And, uh, and, I, I saw that the first time at the cinema mm. and people were like screaming with laughter. Like yeah. the atmosphere was incredible. People were just laughing and laughing. And I laughed so much through the whole film. And then a couple of years later, I got it on DVD and I like showed it to uh, my brother and um, uh, my girlfriend at the time. Mm. We go, oh, this film is so funny. Like, you know, we watched it at home and everyone enjoyed it, but, but it, it wasn't. wasn't even close. And it no. was like, it's that sort of, you know, for a comedy, uh, which is something that you could probably watch more easily at home, yeah. but that atmosphere that was in the cinema that day, mm. was, you know, I still remember it now, and it was probably like 20 years ago. Yeah. I just remember everybody laughing their heads off at this thing, and that was the, you know, the collective experience of it. Yeah, I think that'll be similar for me with Avengers Endgame. I think I'll remember that for, for a while, just because the amount of, I don't know how big you are in sort of, the marvel films but for me there were so many moments there where people were cheering and like everyone was like it was mental it was yeah it was such a great feeling to be there and think everyone is here for the same reason yeah whereas at home you can be like with the surround sound at a cinema it's just so and and i think it's not as easy it like at home if you're watching a film you can get your phone out and check your phone yeah in a cinema no one can do that because pitch black if someone does it you'll see it yeah yeah, that whole thing of you can only watch the film. You can't do anything else. You can't get distracted by anything else. Yeah, I think it's... I, I, I think they need to keep releasing them in cinema. I think some films really need to be cinema-only releases because otherwise yeah. it'll just... That whole industry will, will die. And that's not... That wouldn't be great. No, yeah. I, I, let, let's hope that that doesn't happen. But yeah, mm. I think I think it is, it's going to be a difficult time for cinema, for sure. It is. And yeah, that whole sort of entertainment industry of theatre and, and cinemas is going to be a very, very difficult thing to get back yeah so um we're we're coming towards sort of end of the podcast now and i like to end all my podcasts with a couple of hypothetical questions just to to wrap it up nicely on a bit of a light-hearted note did i steal this from happy hour yes i did but they (laughs) they don't do it anymore so i can do it fine yeah (laughs) and they can't have a go at me for it so um 
So which three people, either dead or alive, would you love to sit down and do a podcast with? If you could have three people from any, any time that are either dead or alive, you could sit down and do like an hour and a half podcast with them. Who are you picking? Uh, definitely uh, Louis Armstrong. Okay. Um, who else? Man. See, this, you know, this would change over the course <laughs> of my life who I would have... Uh, maybe um, Diego Maradona. Oh yeah, I think for a foot for a sports star, and then let's say uh, Roald Dahl. Oh, oh, that's a very interesting one, actually. Yeah, Roald Dahl would there. be a good one yeah. to sit down with. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, yes. I. I'd say then. Yeah. Yeah, when I when I write these, I always try to think in my head like, what would I say? And I can't think of any. There's only one I can think of, and that's Robin Williams. I, I'd oh, love to yeah. sit down with that's Robin Williams and have a chat with yeah. him. Because Miss, yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire is one of my favourite films of all time. Yeah. So just yeah, to have yeah, him sit yeah. down as as Mrs. Doubtfire, obviously. Just. Oh, I mean, Bill, you know, Bill Murray would be incredible. Oh, yes. See, uh, yeah, yeah, actors would be. I, I'd, yeah. I'd love to sit down with a load of actors. Um, this this one's slightly more sort of lighthearted and a bit okay. strange. So if you were to have a clone that you can okay. you can control, what would be yeah. the one like me like medial task that you would not want to do that you'd get it to do? And no one oh, would know okay. any different. It's like you can send uh, him like go put the bins out. That you know, obviously Robbie would love that, but you could say go yeah. put the bins out, I can't be bothered. What would be the one task that the first thing you'd get him to do oh, that you couldn't be bothered to do? That is a tricky one. Because I because because you know, I mean I I'll admit I don't do 50% of the housework okay I don't but but I do do some and I I quite most of it I don't I quite I'm fine with it I okay. don't mind it um I quite like cleaning the bathroom for some reason. okay I don't mind that <laughs> I've been um, quite therapeutic actually it's quite satisfying yeah. isn't it when you yeah, see yeah, a room yeah, before yeah, and exactly. you're cleaning you're like that's right I, I've done that yeah I mean I'm a big fan of hanging up the washing that oh, yeah. very satisfying yeah there's one thing that um, straight away I would do, and that's ironing. I hate ironing. It's so that. horrible. I've always been a fan of ironings. It just I, takes I, I so long. I used to do ironing when I was little for, uh, for my mum. She used to give me like a monthly payment <laughs> for it because she hated it. Uh, I mean, it's definitely been some jobs that I've done, mm. to, even in TV, some pretty horrendous ones. Really? Where, where I would... I would definitely have sent my clone in to do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised you didn't send this podcast down. I was, I was waiting yeah, for no, a, no, I was no, it's podcast. been brilliant. Yeah, that was very enjoyable. Um, oh God, what what would I what would I do? Uh, yeah, I mean, cleaning the oven is pretty grim. Oh, it's horrible because it's so difficult to do, isn't it? Cleaning an oven, yeah. especially if you leave it for ages and you don't clean it, it's not happening. Yeah. Nothing's coming out of that oven. That is that is one job that I don't enjoy. Especially yeah. clean like all the the wire racks in there, trying to get them. But oh, it's yeah, horrible! It goes pain. everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah, that's not fun actually. So yeah, yeah I'll that's go for that. yeah. that's pretty much the podcast done. So thank you so much for coming on, Dan. It's been, it's been really fun. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's been great. Yeah, I was I was looking at my notes before we started. I was like, I don't know if I've written enough stuff down to like fill a podcast, <laughs> but we've we've managed to sort of go yeah, on tangents and, and have a chat. It's been good. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll link your channel in the description and the Amazon link to your book so people can go and check them out. Thank and you. I'll, I'll definitely be checking out that one uh, that you wrote when you were 19. That's a book I, yeah. re I genuinely really want to read. Yeah. Uh, anything okay. else you okay. you want me to link or just YouTube and books? Anything else? Yeah, no, that's, that's it, I think. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, any any last words for the for the podcast, Dan? Any words of inspiration for the for the people watching? Wow, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we like. I know. I know. John said. Well, I tell you what. It's you know. Hopefully, lockdown's coming to an end. So I'm yes. doing a I'm doing a I'm doing a video this week, which is my lockdown end of lockdown resolutions. Oh, nice. Which is like, you know, we've got you know when we do finally get back to something that's mm. about normality. How how am I going to change? amazing i live uh yeah that's, so, that's yeah, a good so idea think about that there you go right well thank you for watching everyone um obviously go check dan out as i said before check his books out especially that um the siberian <laughs> rebel one go check that out because yeah. i will be checking that one out and i will see you in the next video i love fraser uh, 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 uh. we love fraser bum 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 Fraser, Fraser. <laughs>